Hello, hello. This is David, back again with another episode of Blood and Fire Radio Podcast. This is episode number 88. All right. Let's dive right in here. We're going to the USA out of California. This band's been around since 83. They're a thrash band, but they always kind of teetered on kind of a more extreme style of thrash. Um, the band is Dark Angel, and uh, they're kind of most known, I guess, for uh, for having Gene Hoagland as their drummer. Of course, Gene has gone on to play for some uh, fantastic bands like Death and uh, Strapping Young Lad. And he's drumming for Testament these days. Um, but those early Dark Angel albums really were uh, influential um, on a lot of people, a lot of young bands. And uh, they're kind of listed as an influence for a lot of the really early uh, death metal bands as well. Simply because they pushed the boundaries of, you know, speed. Um, mostly due to Gene Hoagland's uh, drumming abilities, they were able to kind of uh, be a little more extreme than some of their contemporaries. But um, their first album, uh, I think, came out in 85, but uh, the second album uh, kind of launched them into uh, more popularity, and then it just kind of carried on from there. They ended up releasing four albums total. Uh, The first two were with their original singer, and then they had a, a... change of singer for the remaining two and they had very kind of different styles the second singer Ron Reinhardt had a much kind of lower um, lower kind of tone to his voice and the original singer Don Doty was more of a, of a higher tone um, I like Don Doty a little better myself they actually did a, a reunion um, maybe 2013 they announced that they were getting back together and uh, with Ron Reinhardt and I remember that being a kind of a big deal because Don Doty was really hopeful I don't know if he had kind of been led to believe that if they reformed it would be with him and then they didn't they said it would be with Ron Reinhardt so uh, at that time I remember Don Doty was uh, being interviewed a lot and I, I remember seeing his name out there a lot because he was a bit uh, heartbroken that he wasn't part of the reunion but um A lot of people were saying that he was not part of it because he still, after many decades, is still battling, you know, issues with uh, drugs and alcohol and things like that. So they just felt like he wasn't going to be reliable enough to to be a part of the band again. Um, Nonetheless, I just enjoy his vocal style better on these early records. So I'm going to play you one of the Don Doty tunes. So... This, uh, this album, the second album, is called Darkness Descends. It came out in November of 86 on the famous Combat Records. And uh, I, I don't think they released their third album until 89, so with the singer change and everything, it took them a few years um, to, to release their third record. But uh, this album became so popular that I think they were kind of riding that wave anyways from this album for a few years there of touring. But a um, lot of great songs on this one. But this one has always been a favorite of mine off of this record. So here we go off of 1986's Darkness Descends. This is Dark Angel with The Burning of Sodom.
Dark Angel with the Burning of Sodom. Uh, yeah, I love those Don Doty records. There's something really energetic about those ones. Um, Alright, we're going to jump to Belgium here. This is a fairly new band. Um, they've only been around since 2020. But they're already kind of making a bit of a splash, I guess, in the, in the modern day black metal scene. They're called Serpent's Oath. And uh, they just released their debut in uh, December of last year. It came out on December 4th called Nihil, and they're a three-piece band, um, they're on Soul Cellar Records, and I don't even remember how I came across them, but um, I listened to this debut um, only in like February, so I didn't even it didn't even notice it when it came out either, but um, somehow or another I was told about this band, and I decided to check out this debut, and I really like it, they're not doing anything particularly new or adventurous, um, it's just straightforward black metal with a pretty modern production and kind of reminds me of a band like uh, Ragnarok or something like that but um, it's you know I've said this before about many bands that I've played on the podcast but it's one of those things where it's not you know reinventing the genre but it's one of those things where if you're just in the mood to hear some good straight straight up straightforward black metal it's good it hits the spot (laughs) so um so yes, I, I do recommend checking out this debut because it is pretty good stuff. So, off of their debut, Nihil, this is Serpent's Oath with Into the Abyss.
All right, that was Serpent's Oath from Belgium with Into the Abyss. It's pretty solid stuff, I think. Uh, we're going to jump to the USA again here out of Connecticut. You don't really get too many bands out of, uh, out of Connecticut these days. Uh, they've been around since 2016, so they're still kind of fairly fresh. Uh, they just released their debut in September of last year. The band is called Fires in the Distance, and their debut album is called Echoes from Deep November. And uh, that came out on Prosthetic Records, and uh, Prosthetic Records has been kind of pushing and promoting this release uh, pretty heavily since it came out in September. And it is very good. It's definitely uh, atypical for what you hear from the American scene. Um, a lot of American black metal either goes for the more primitive, ultra-satanic, you know, stuff that's been done to death uh, that copies, you know, early Dark Throne albums, or it's going for the full Cascadian black metal, you know, style of Wolves in the Throne Room and Panopticon and bands like that. So there's a lot of kind of uh, plagiarism amongst the scene, you know, with people just copying the, the basic mood and feel and style uh, of each other. But this band kind of dares to be different. It's kind of melodic death metal, kind of black metal, but then they also have a lot of like piano in there. Uh, they're not afraid to use uh, acoustic guitars fairly frequently. I think the the ending section of this song has a lot of like layered uh, acoustic guitars underneath all the distorted uh, sections as well. So it just kind of adds a nice touch. There's a lot of little breaks in this song where the piano kind of takes over or acoustic guitar takes over and things like that. But uh, it's it's a really good way to break up the songs and keep them uh, interesting for the duration of the entire song and but uh, yeah I just like the way that they that they kind of mesh these uh, different elements together it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty interesting release and I've been liking it since it came out this actually came to me as a recommendation from my bandmate uh, Justin back maybe in October or so he told told me about it and it's really good. So here we go. Off of the debut album, Echoes from Deep November. This is Fires in the Distance with Reflections in the Ice.
All right. I like those little electronic elements that they you know, that they use here and there. All right, that was Fires in the Distance with Reflections in the Ice. Uh, I'm not sure if anybody else noticed it, but the entire opening section of that song is an almost direct copy of the opening riffs from the song Broderskopet's Ring from uh, Dimu Borger off of the Stormblast album. Uh, it's pretty much the exact same <laughs> riff with the exact same drums behind it. Uh, not sure if they're aware of that, but uh, yeah, it must have slipped into their subconscious when they were writing that one. I'm definitely guilty of that a time or two as well, and it's not fun when you discover that, holy crap, I totally just ripped off that song and I didn't mean to. Um, <laughs> friends of mine already know what song I'm thinking of in my head right now, too. Uh, okay, we're going to jump to Canada here. This band's been around since 06, and I enjoy them very much, and I am very um, ready for another album <laughs> from them, and it has taken a very long time, and we still don't have anything. The band is Blood Ceremony, and uh, they kind of fall into that revival of like that kind of 70s occult rock type vibe, uh, vibe, vibe, and uh, but they kind of have like a bit of a Jethro Tull kind of vibe to them. They they use some more you know pan flutes and things like that here and there, but um, the vocals are fantastic and the songs are just really well written. Uh, they just pull this off a lot better uh, than some other bands that are kind of in this same. Uh, genre that have kind of popped up over the last decade or so um, but yeah they haven't released anything since maybe 2016 17 but I'm ready I'm, I, they released a, a I think like a little split not not even a split but it was like a two song EP but I think it was just like one original song and one cover and that's just not enough man I'm ready for another full length but uh, I'm going to play something off of their second album. They have four total up to this point, but um, I've played something off of the third album and the fourth album, I believe, uh, over the course of uh, all these episodes. So I'm going to play something off of album number two this time. So, album's called Living with the Ancients. came out in March of 2011 on Rise Above Records, which is a fantastic label. Um, but this one, you know, as much as I love the whole album... This is the first one that I heard from this band uh, at all, like from, from any album. This is the first song I ever heard by them, and I just thought it was great, so it kind of holds a little bit of nostalgia for me. So, sharing it with you guys. So, off of 2011's Living with the Ancients, this is Blood Ceremony with The Great God Pan.
Alright, there we go. That was Blood Ceremony from Canada with the Great God Pan. Uh, they are still listed as active, but uh, they really don't give you much as far as updates and things on their social media, so there's really no way of knowing if they're currently working on something or what's going on, really. But hopefully we'll see something more out of them in the next year or so. Alright, we're going back to the USA out of Texas. This is actually a side project of my bandmate Justin. I did play uh, something of Cody's um, with the last episode. I think it was the last episode, maybe the one prior. I can't exactly recall, but um, I played something from his project, Dower. And now I'm going to play something from Justin's project called Fall Rising. This was originally supposed to be something uh, that was like a partnership with uh, Corey. Corey Smith, our old guitar player in Krigsgrove. Um, he had quit Krigsgrove, and then I guess he didn't quite want to step out from doing all music, so he, he was going to do this with Justin, and then their schedules just kind of weren't working out, and Justin was on a roll with the songwriting, so he just kind of, like, Corey eventually just said, yeah, you know, I think I'll just step out, I'll just let you handle it. So Fall Rising turned from a duo into a solo project, and uh, so Justin finished up the music, and he had... Someone, he wrote it all with a drum machine, and I think he had someone uh, record the drums for it, but uh, something was up with that as far as maybe not liking the sound that they got for the drums, or just not liking the performance, or some, something else. I'm not, I'm not really sure um, what happened there with the, uh, with the real drums that were recorded, but uh, they ended up not being used. And then eventually, um, Justin even asked Cody and I, because by this point, Cody uh, was asked to join Krigsgrove, and uh, so it was the two of us and Justin. So he asked me and Cody if we would be willing to release this um, album's worth of material under the Krigsgrove name. But uh, as much as we loved the material, we, we didn't uh, decide to do that because we wanted to kind of create something fresh with the three of us, you know. Uh, rather than the, use this material that was already written. So, which he understood, he just kind of threw it out there as a possibility, and, and we just said, no, nah, we'd like to just kind of make something fresh, you know, for Krigsgrove. So, he ended up staying the course with this one uh, under the Fall Rising name and uh, had a local label release it called Unknown Force Records. And uh, so the album's called The Way of Wolves, and it ended up getting released in 2019, and this kind of serves as his debut. Not sure... I don't think he's even sure if he'll do any more records under the Fall Rising name. It just depends on what he has written, because this kind of came about really just having this material, having these riffs, and not really sure what to do with them, because he wasn't sure if it was Krigsgrove-worthy material or if it should be something else. So I think uh, whether or not there's a second album really depends on what he writes <laughs> moving forward. I don't think he's going to intentionally sit and write a Fall Rising record, so it just depends on just the vibe of whatever riffs he's writing, and he might just decide that he has enough to record some more Fall Rising stuff. So, But either way, this record is really, really good, and there's some really special moments on here. Um, I asked him what songs he would want me to play, and he gave me a few, and then I ended up picking something else. <laughs> so, sorry, Justin. I just liked this one a little bit better for the episode. So here we go, off of the debut album, The Way of Wolves. This is Fall Rising with Spirits. Mm -hmm. 
Alright. That was Fall Rising with my bandmate Justin handling all instruments and drum programming and all that. Uh, it's excellent. Um, it really does give me some kind of Agaloc, like pale folklore type vibes to it. Um, it's definitely not just your run-of-the-mill black metal, much more melodic. Um, but yeah, it, it's really good, and it uh, kind of showcases how improved he is with uh, working with the uh, drum programming as well. <laughs> so I'm not even good at drum programming, but he's gotten better over the years for sure. Um, all right, we're jumping to Sweden here. This is a pretty well-known black metal band that uh, has a pretty good reputation for themselves over the years. The band is Kraft. They formed in 98, and their first two albums were really kind of viewed as like, oh, it's just Dark Throne Worship, like right down to the album covers and everything. And it kind of was, but it was still good. Um, they took a little time after the second album. It took them a little while to release the third. They finally released it um, called Fuck the Universe. And that one showed a little bit of a style, not a style change, but a bit of an expansion, I guess, on their sound. And um, they've released two more since then, and uh, they've kind of taken some time in between each of them. They, they don't release an album a year or an album every two years. They kind of take their time these days. Um, but the fourth album of the five is my favorite. It's called Void. I know I've played something off of, uh, off of this record already in an earlier episode, but uh, this is the one I keep coming back to the most, so I just wanted to play something else off of it because it's that good of a record that it's, it's deserving of it. Um... But yeah, Void was the fourth album, came out in August of 2011 on Carnal Records. I believe they're signed to Season of Mist now. I think that's who released their, their most recent record. But um, yeah, this one just continued to kind of expand upon um, Fuck the Universe. And there's some real, real memorable ones on here. I know I Want to Commit Murder is, uh, is probably the most well-known song off of this record and probably the catchiest one off of this record. But uh, this one to me is a close second in terms of uh, memorability so off of 2011's album void this is craft with succumb to sin Just a strong 
All right, that was Kraft from Sweden with Succumb to Sin. Some really just filthy riffing in that song and on that whole album. Um, I, yeah, I really love what they've transformed into over the years. Uh, all right, we're going to Russia for the next couple of songs, actually. This band is out of Moscow. They've been around since 2002. The band is Arcona. Arcona is probably best known for having um, the female singer, Masha. She's... Uh, an excellent front woman, and she's always decked out in full, you know, traditional garb and animal pelts and all that kind of stuff on stage. But, um, you know, she's known for her growling and screaming and such, but she has a, a very nice, uh, clean voice. And uh, I saw something recently that she's actually kind of being showcased along with a few other Russian singers on some sort of, a, you know... Um, maybe like a live stream showcase type thing. And I guess she's going to be discussing kind of her vocal style and uh, and things she does to take care of her voice and things like that. But she she is, you know, a, a very good singer um, with her clean vocals and with her growls. And um, I don't believe she was always the singer in Arcona. I seem to feel like some of the really early stuff did have a male vocalist and then she kind of took over from there. But she's married to the guitar player in Arcona and they have a couple of children uh, together. And I follow them on Facebook, so I see basically all she posts is uh, videos of her kids and pictures of her gardening. <laughs> it's, it's all pictures of whatever vegetables they just harvested. Um, but yeah, they, they've always seemed like really uh, fun people. They're a really fun band to listen to because they're not over-the-top folky like, you know, Ensiferum or, or bands like that. Um, you know, they don't sound like uh, Alestorm or something like that. It's a little more serious. They still utilize traditional instruments and things in there. There'll be some bagpipes here and there. There'll be flutes and you know, just other little instruments. They have a, a member of the band whose sole purpose is playing those those instruments um, live. And it's pretty fun to watch him, actually, because there'll be different instruments in different sections of the song. So he'll literally be playing flute, and then whenever the flute section ends, he's very quickly sets the flute down and goes and grabs his, you know, bagpipes and puts those, you know, his, gets those ready to go. And then he's joins in later in the song with this bagpipe section. But there's sometimes that he has to move really fast to grab the next instrument for the next section and stuff. But he's pretty fun to watch. But, um, but yeah, I actually had the pleasure of opening for them um, at Reno's in Dallas, uh, however many years ago that was. But it was right near the end of their tour, and I remember they were having all sorts of difficulties with the sound and the sound guy, and um, they were just not in a good mood. <laughs> it it, it kind of sucked, because they always seemed like they would be fun people to chat with after the show, and uh, whenever the show was done and I attempted to chat with them, they seemed like they were not in the mood for that. <laughs> so I just kind of backed away slowly. But... Um, Anywho, they have released nine albums now. Uh, the last two have taken a more like serious tone to them. They're a little more epic and dramatic and less... You just kind of hear less of the bagpipes and flutes and things like that. It's a little more big sounding with, uh, you know, typical strings and keys and things like that. But um, their earlier stuff might be a little too festive for some. So I'm going to play something off of this album, which is my favorite of theirs. And it's a little more kind of meets in the middle, I guess. Um, the album's called Slovo, came out in 2011, it was their sixth album out of nine, uh, it was released on Napalm Records, and this one I actually saw them play live, not just that time that, um, that I opened for them, but I actually went down to Austin once to see them with a couple of friends, uh, they played at the old, uh, Emo's, and so I heard this song that night as well. 
I'm not really sure how to pronounce it. Um, most of their stuff is written in the Russian alphabet, so I just kind of see the like English character version of it. But even then, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. So the album's called Slovo, and uh, this is Arcona with Zakliati, maybe? Z-A-K-L-I-A-T-I-E. Zakliati? That's how that's what I'm going with. So here you go.
right, that was Arcona with uh, Zakliati. That's what I'm still going with. That's, that's just the only way I can think to pronounce that word. But, uh, yeah, hopefully you dug that. And if you kind of dismissed them in the past for being too festive and folkish and stuff like that, I suggest you listen to um, the last well, two or three albums that they've done have taken a more, like, dark tone uh, to them. So you might enjoy that a little better. Um all right, we're staying in Russia here, but we're going to St. Petersburg. This band is a, a two-man band that's been around since 2016, and they have been busy. Um, they have released an album a year, really. Well, they released two albums in 2020, uh, so it shows their debut being released in 2019, and then two albums in 2020, and then they have their fourth album about to come out in May of this year. And my advice to them would be to slow the hell down because not everything you write needs to be recorded and released like I there's the stuff that I've heard on their albums is pretty good but I feel like if they had just taken their time a little bit they could have taken the best parts of these first three albums and put them together to make one really good album um, instead what we have so far is three albums that are kind of average so like uh, they if they took the best moments from each of these and waited and released their debut you know in late 2020 or something like that it would probably be uh, a pretty strong record but um the good moments are still quite good it's basically um melodic atmospheric black metal and um that is kind of a style that you tend to hear out of russia uh, when it comes to their their version of black metal it is kind of uh, usually associated with longer songs and kind of more atmospheric vibes and um but yeah this one kind of is rooted in you know nature and things like that uh with the subject matter so the music kind of reflects that as well i'm going to play something off of the third album and again their fourth album's coming out in may of this year so the album uh this third album here is called la doga which is l-a-d-o-g-a They've released everything independently. They're not signed currently, so it's all just out there on Bandcamp, uh, just digital downloads and things like that. So, uh, yeah, this one stood out to me as being one of the better tunes off of this album. Um, some of them just feel a little too long, and they just kind of meander along for, for a little too long there. But this one, uh, I liked the structure of it uh, better than some of the others. So, Off of the third album, La Dolga, this is Olhava with Smoldering Woodland.
All right, cuts off there. That was Olhava from St. Petersburg, Russia with Smoldering Woodland. Uh, yeah, it's not bad. Uh, like I said, I think they're a little bit guilty of just kind of releasing everything they write. They just kind of record it all, and once they have enough for an album, they release it. And I think they maybe should be a little more selective about what they're putting out there. Uh, all right, we're jumping to Norway here. This band's been around since 92, and they are kind of uh, one of the one of the greats of the genre of the second wave. The band is Carpathian Forest, and I have always loved Nata Frost's vocal style and his riffs that kind of border on that black and roll, kind of a punk rock vibe mixed into black metal. Um, I've always been a big fan of of pretty much all their stuff, but they they really haven't made an album, two albums that sound the same, to me at least. Um, to me, Black Shining Leather doesn't sound like Strange Old Brew, and Strange Old Brew does not sound like, um, damn it, Morbid Fascination of Death, Jesus, <laughs> totally blanked on that one, and, and so on and so forth, but yeah, like, if anything, they've really kind of changed their production values uh, so much that it makes the album sound very different, even if the riffing style is somewhat similar and it still sounds like Carpathian Forest. They've always kind of changed up the production of their albums uh, to make them all sound very different from each other. Uh, I'm going to play something off of a compilation that they released in 2002 called We're Going to Hell for This. Uh, that came out through Avant-Garde Records. They they do have five full lengths, which doesn't seem like a lot. Um, I mean, they have an EP, they have this compilation, they have a live DVD, which I own and love. And uh, But yeah, they got the five full lengths. They just released an EP in 2018 to kind of announce their return because, um, as many of you may know, they lost three or four members from the band. The bass player has since come back again. Um, but yeah, so he had to replace the drummer and both guitar players, and I believe he used, um, or is using, the guys from uh, Svartian to fit, round out his lineup now for Carpathian Forest. But they announced that back in like 2017, and started playing some shows again, and then, well, festivals rather, they're not touring, but then they, um, they released this EP, which was just like two songs, one original song, one cover. The original tune sounded okay. It was uh, it was a very safe Carpathian Forest song. Um, so, but yeah, they just kind of said, "We'll be on the lookout because we're working on the next full length." And that was back in 2018, and now here we are. It's 2021, and there's still no full length, and I haven't really seen any updates about a full length. So, who knows? Who knows when the next one will be? The last full length came out in 2006, which is nuts. I bought it back when it was brand new and just came out, and uh, it's pretty. <laughs> pretty hard to think about the fact that it's been 15 years <laughs> since that that day but it has so I'm ready for another full length and I wish they would kind of get their asses in gear but um but yeah I'm going to play something off of this compilation from 2002 called we're going to hell for this this is the uh the opening track actually from uh from the compilation but it's uh it's a tune of theirs that I really really like and I just think the production is great and the vocals are great and it's just a damn good tune so here we go off of we're going to hell for this this is Carpathian Forest with the angel and the sodomizer I am the 
There we go. That was Carpathian Force with the Angel and the Sodomizer. Just love the riffs, love the bass tone. Vocals are great. It's just a quintessential Carpathian Forest tune right there. Uh, all right, we're jumping to Switzerland here. This is a band that I love and even, you know, can't fully understand because they've changed their style so much over the course of their career. But I've kind of enjoyed all of it. <laughs> I've enjoyed all the twists and turns. Even the stuff in the 90s that a lot of people kind of turn their backs on. But the band is Coroner, and they existed from uh, 83 to 96 originally, and then they reformed in 2010, and they're still going now. They're a three-piece. And they've released some classic stuff over the years. Um, the debut, and, uh, you know, R.I.P. is uh, kind of a classic album, and probably the thrashiest thing they ever did. But then they always kind of uh, experimented, which I always respected very much. Um, really interesting guitar work uh, in their stuff. The first three albums are kind of the more aggressive, and then from there on out, they've kind of got more experimental. Uh, that culminated with their fifth album called Grin, which came out in 93, which was a lot more, not really alternative sounding, but it just was, it was just a weird album where they, they obviously weren't going for any sort of real aggressive, thrashy vibe anymore, and it was a lot more kind of mid-tempo groove based you know songs but i still really like that album there's some really memorable songs and some great bass lines and stuff in those tunes but uh, i'm going to play something that was kind of in the sweet spot for them it's right in the middle of their discography um which by the way before i move on um grin is the one that the band considers to be their best work they that's like their favorite album and they still play a lot of tunes off of it live uh, even if the fans kind of didn't care for it so much when it came out in 93. But anywho, I'm going to play something off of their third album called No More Color. came out in 1989 on Noise Records. And this one is fun because it still sounds like them, but they definitely were, were full on uh, with some experimentation on this album. And uh, I just think this is kind of the, the sweet spot for them. So off of 1989's No More Color, this is Coroner with Tunnel of Pain. <laughs> Animal swarm, 
right, that was Coroner from Switzerland with Tunnel of Pain. They were definitely one of those bands that were kind of ahead of their time. Um, it's just a Swiss thing, I guess, between them and, uh, and Celtic Frost. They were kind of uh, changing the game with kind of what it meant to be a metal band back then. All right, we're jumping to Sweden here out of Stockholm. This band's been around since 95. The band is Thierfing. And they have definitely changed their sound a lot over the years. They were um, kind of a more of a uh, festive band, if I may say so, with their 90s output. Um, <clears throat> and then once they got into the 2000s, they started kind of uh, making it a little more on the heavy side and uh, kind of darkening up the sound a little bit. And then their singer of many, many years had left, and they replaced him with uh, Jens Ryden from... Um, Naglfar is what he was best known uh, from. Fantastic vocalist. Uh, he's been there for two albums now. Uh, they're about to release their first album in eight years, um, and that'll be his third album that that he'll be uh, the singer for. And I'm not really sure what the album title is going to be, but they did release a single. Um, this song is going to appear on the next album. The single just came out on March 19th, so it's very recent. Uh, it's called Dup Damield, which is Swedish for baptized in fire or baptize them in fire. Um, came out on Despots Records. So yeah, they have seven albums up to this point, and uh, album number eight, yeah, it's a long time coming. <clears throat> I've been waiting for this one for a long time, and they've been posting little studio updates here and there, which has been really cool to see. Uh, it's just really nice to know that they're working on something and finally coming out with something new. But uh, this new single kind of follows suit with the uh, more recent albums as far as being definitely on the heavy and darker side. They released a really cool music video as well for this song, so you should check it out. If you dig the tune, you should check out the video as well. So, so yes, be on the lookout for their uh, upcoming album. Again, I don't know what the title is yet or a release date, but I assume it will be coming sometime this year in 2021. So here we go, uh, their new single. This is Thirfing with Dup Dami Eld.
there we go. From Stockholm, Sweden, that was Thierfing with Dup Dummy Eld, which means baptized them in fire. Great song and really uh, gives me high hopes for this new full length whenever it uh, comes to be. So we're going to jump to Hungary here. It's not a country that we jump to all that often, but this is a black metal band that's been around since 93. It is Seer Bliss, and they only have one original member left. I actually thought that they had called it quits quite some time ago, because they're not a band that I've kept up with very well, but I see that they are still active and still putting albums out, um, so that shows what I know. But, uh, let's see, they have eight albums. I'm going to play something off the debut. I do like the debut. I like some of the earlier stuff. I'm not that well-versed in their entire discography, so I can't talk as though I'm some sort of expert or something. But, um, yeah, this is a band that I just remember many years ago, somebody who I was Facebook friends with but didn't really know personally. Uh, she would post that it was that they were, like, her favorite band of all time, and she would just post about them all the time. And I really had heard of them, but I had never heard any of their stuff. But all her posting uh, prompted me to actually give it a listen, and it's pretty good. It's not among my, like, favorite, you know, black metal bands or albums or anything like that, their early stuff. But... It's pretty good, it's pretty solid, and it's definitely kind of a different vibe than you get from the Scandinavian uh, black metal bands. So it's just kind of nice to hear, you know, 90s black metal from a different perspective, like a different part of Europe. Um, you can just kind of hear the little nuances that set it apart from the Scandinavian scene. So, so yes, uh, their debut came out in 96, it was called Phantoms, it came out on <clears throat> Two Moons Records. And uh, there's, again, there are eight albums total. I forget when the most recent one came out, but it was only a few years ago, so they are still quite active. But as I said, they only have one original guy left. So, But uh, here we go. Off of the debut, Phantoms, this is Seer Bliss with Far Above the Trees.
Alright, that was Seer Bliss from Hungary with Far Above the Trees. It's just some nice melodic black metal. Alright, we're going to close things out here. i got to announce the final song of the episode, so I, of course, want to thank everybody for listening. Thanks for telling other people about the podcast. If you want to tell someone where they can listen, they can listen online at bloodandfireradio.podbean.com or on the free Podbean app, which I highly recommend. And, of course, the entire catalog of episodes is also on Spotify, so you can find it and follow it there. Uh, Any sort of feedback or requests or anything like that, you can uh, email me at bloodandfireradio at gmail.com. And, uh, of course, please find and like the Facebook page because any sort of notes or uh, updates or poll questions or things like that, anything related to the podcast is going to be posted there. So, excuse me, I keep clearing my throat suddenly. The last few song intros here. Uh, All right, I'm going to play... A one-man German band that's been around since 03, and uh, they've gotten some really high praise for their most recent album. It's uh, The Ruins of Beverest, who I've played before on a previous episode of the podcast. But it's true, this new album is really, really good. It's the first one in four years. Uh, I played something off of the uh, the previous album, which I believe was called Exuvia, um, which was a really, really good album. But... Uh, They just released a split album in 2020, and then they just released this full-length in January 30th, 2021, called The Thule Grimoires. Came out, um, as I said, in January through Van Records, which is a label I enjoy very much. So this is the sixth album overall, but as I said, it's the first one in four years, so fans have been waiting patiently. And they've been rewarded for their patience because this album is very, very good. The songs are long, once again. But um, they, they haven't really changed up their style much. It's still very unique and kind of borderline avant-garde. Um, but not so much so that you can't get into it. You know, I'm a bit of a stickler, as you know, when it comes to that, that stuff. You know, bands that just make music that's way too strange for me to even really stay focused for an entire song. <clears throat> but Ruins of Beverest always does it very well. And uh, this new album is no exception. Uh, I've, I've been enjoying it very much since it came out. And I've seen all sorts of Facebook friends posting about it. So it's definitely uh, hasn't gone unnoticed. You know, it's it's uh, first album in a long time. And it's uh, it seems to be doing very well so far with its reviews and things like that. So let's close it out. I'll be back again with another new episode in two weeks. I've already got my bands picked and my songs picked, so I should be pretty much uh, ready to go and stay on time. So until then, here we go off of the Thule Grimoires. This is the Ruins of Beverest with Ropes into Eden. Cheers, everybody.
Magical